the hottest sports news, the hottest sports takes with the hottest sports dudes. It is live from the 815. In the car, so come on, let's ride to the liquor store around the corner. The boys say they want some gin and juice, but I really don't. Hello. Hello. Hello, everyone. It's live from the 815 Podcast. It's the usual. Colton St. Vincent, Jake LaRue. We have a big baseball-loaded episode today with two um, national baseball reporters coming on. Um, yeah, Colton had a couple of interviews, so you get some insider info not on one, what's going on. But two interviews. So yeah. those are those are coming up. First interview. Um, Usually, make you pay double for that kind of thing. But no, not here. We're gonna. We're not even gonna charge you. So yeah, that's free. That. Yeah, that's we got first uh, interview. We got Robert Murray coming on from FanRag Sports. We, me, and uh, Robert talked a little baseball. Uh, I think we, we became best friends, and so that's that's just a huge moment for me and my future going forward in my quest for a best friend so shout out to my best friend robert murray second interview is with jared diamond who is a national baseball reporter for the wall street journal he he was nice enough to call me from the actual winter meetings so i talked to him about how it is being down there at at the actual meetings asked him if we had any insider info um and he gave me a lot of uh like generic answers that you would expect so big shout out to Jared. <laughs> I was like, all right, Jared, any uh, insider info? He goes, no, not really. He's like, cool, man. That's awesome. Yeah, all it's right. probably so cool to be around that stuff. I no, mean, yeah, yeah. He, I mean, yeah, we talked about that a little bit. So he was he was super nice enough to uh, to give me a call right. You can actually hear like people in the background like doing reports. So Yeah, like 10 years ago, that would have been amazing. But nowadays, that we can just get... You know, all the tweets are just flying out constantly. You know, Ken Rosenthal is telling me exactly what's happening inside the winter meetings every second that it's happening. You know, it's just a cool experience, but you really don't know much more than someone who's following along on Twitter. So It's still still cool, though, so we'll get to those interviews later. Um, Since we do have so much baseball talk, we'll just let the interviews do the talking. So we're just going to do a little uh, football chat, a little FC um, Absolutely. Yes. We had probably the Bears' best game all season this past week, playing the uh, legendary squad of the Cincinnati Bengals. It was a dismantling. The Bears blew them out. Yep. That was not expected. Yeah, Kyle Fuller looked great on defense. Uh, Jordan Howard ran anywhere he wanted. That might have been Trubisky's best game. I think it easily was, wasn't it? Fantasy-wise, it was, but his... He threw a little. He threw for a, a few more yards against the Packers, but those two games are the two that are, that are standing out so far. It was cool to see. I really liked seeing. I actually had time to watch it, which is cool. Um, so. Yeah, it's way better. Um, I mean, you know, some people will get mad about now. Your draft pick is not number three; it's number seven. No, it's but, dumb. Uh, I'd, I'll take a fifteen draft pick if, if we can win. That's with what I'm if Trubisky develops it, you know who cares if uh you know you guys you guys can win the rest of your games and pick your 15th but if Trubisky plays great in all those games exactly then it's well worth it if, well because there's like six quarterbacks coming out that can be first rounders four of them are probably going top 12 which means yeah pretty if like if, if the bears are anywhere from like eight to 12 they might just get the same guy because all the people I actually are- have uh todd mcshay's initial Mock draft he just posted not long ago. Let's hear it. Uh, he's got Sam Darnold to the Browns. Just go over the quarterbacks. Let's go. Sam Darnold to the Browns at one. Josh Rosen to the Giants at two. Josh Allen from my Wyoming to the Broncos at five. Um, let's see. It goes all the way down to... Lamar Jackson's probably next. Baker Mayfield at 19 hey. to the Chargers. And that might be the last quarterback taken in the first round. Lamar Jackson's still out there, and then um, that guy from Oklahoma State, people are saying, will sneak into the late first. <clears throat> yeah, I like Lamar Jackson. Some people are, you know, are just stuck with the fact that he can't throw the ball. 
But he's actually pretty good in the pocket. I think he'll be an exciting prospect for somebody. But there's just a lot of quarterbacks that are really high up on boards right now. So For those of you that don't watch much college football, when you see Lamar Jackson coming out, every report that you see on him is going to be he's athletic, he scrambles, but they don't know if he can make throws from the pocket. Yeah, they that's going to be every be a wide receiver. Are they going to turn him into a wide receiver? That's, that's just going to be, be every story. fast black college quarterback coming out. Yeah, they try to turn him into a wide receiver unless they're Cam Newton and have a really pretty smile. And then, but, uh, and then uh, you're going to hear stuff like the quarterback from Wyoming. He'll be smart. He has the he has the size of an NFL quarterback. <laughs> that's that's classic white quarterback stuff. Yeah, same with the, the two guys from California, Sam Darnold and Josh Rosen. Those guys know how to two. handle the spotlight. You know, yeah, they, they don't fall under pressure. They look the part. <laughs> and then Baker Mayfield will get compared to Johnny Manziel for really no reason other than he gets pissed on the field. I guess Johnny Manziel did flip people off on the field and Baker yeah. grabbed his crotch. But Baker also got a DUI. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but he, he, doesn't, he doesn't have like drug like addiction problems, so I think he's going to be okay. That's my, in my opinion, I think Baker's going to be a good quarterback. I love Baker so. Mayfield. I'm a huge fan. Yeah. If, um, if, if I were a team without a franchise quarterback and he somehow slipped to the late first or second round, I'm going to trade up and get him. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, since we're talking about it, uh, the Bears at number eight – Took Calvin Ridley out of uh, Alabama. The, the wide receiver? receiver? Oh, my God. I'd be so mad. <laughs> you mad? Yes. I feel like I'd be so excited. I mean, I know it's like the literally, I think, seven was where you took Kevin White, wasn't yep. it? It was. So, it's a little scary. But, you know, I mean, that's exciting stuff. You guys are taking the first receiver in the draft, likely. I, I mean, not if you I mean, take one. I, I think it's more likely you guys end up taking, like, a tackle. I think we should Which just get desperately the, need. We should just get the best available player. We shouldn't if there's somebody out there because like seven, like six, seven, and eight are, are always the players like that will fall, like a Sheldon Richardson, or um, just like players like that who who are top two or three talents, but they don't fit anyone. Yeah, and that but, is who the Bears should draft. Yeah, like a defensive, like yeah, like a Khalil I, I, Mack I, when he came out, everyone said he was a like he could easily be taken second or third overall, but he was picked like like eight like eight or nine. Who? Khalil Mack. Oh yeah, same with uh, Marshawn Lattimore, and now he's the defensive rookie of the year more than likely. Yep. So he fell all the way to the Saints at like nine, and people were like, "Wow, that's a steal." Yeah. So that's he was. So I that's guess the kind of yeah, pick. let someone. And someone always, but the problem with the Bears is someone always almost falls to the Bears, like Aaron Donald that one year. That sucked. And uh, what was the other guy? Uh, he almost fell. He went to the Jets. Yeah, uh, USC tackle. I can't remember his name. Was it Leonard Williams? Leonard Williams. Everyone had him like first overall. Yeah, and he, and he almost fell to the Bears, but the Jets took him right before you. And the Jets had like. They already had like three Pro Bowl D linemen. Yep. So everyone was like, "What the hell?" And thank was, God! <laughs> thank God he did go to the Jets because that's when Kevin White was picked. <laughs> and setting up the Bears dynasty that we see today. God damn it! <laughs> um, and we'll just skip to the Packers, who they have at currently 17th, taking Harold Landry out of Boston College. Fun fact: I have no idea who that is. So first round talent. And another fun fact. Uh, they have us at 17 when, I don't know if Todd McShay knows this, but the King of the North is back, and we're probably going to be taking somewhere between 32 and trading down from 32, because Aaron Rodgers is fully healed, and I... I, mean, I wouldn't yeah. even say fully. I, he's, he's good I'm enough to torqued, play football. I'll tell you that. <laughs> he's good enough to I play mean, football. That's all you fucking need, because Aaron Rodgers is here, and he is going... He's going to win out... He's gonna he's gonna sneak into the wild card game. He's gonna score three points in the first half of the wild card game. Everyone's gonna be like, "Man, he's not healthy." And he'll come out and score thirty five points in the second half. Um, Carson Wentz is out for the season. For those of you who are living under a rock, he tore his ACL, yeah. so the NFC is that much worse. Yeah, let me let me break down exactly what it takes for the Packers to do it. They have to win their last three games at Carolina, at Minnesota, Detroit. So that's not easy. It's not no, easy. Minnesota's at, uh, in Lambeau and then at Detroit. So at Carolina. Ooh, get your facts straight. 
Minnesota, and then at Detroit. And so we have to win all three. And then uh, two of these things need to happen. Well, actually, one thing could happen. If the Vikings lose out, they would shockingly still lose the division. Uh, But they would have to lose to the Bengals, who just got beat by the Bears, the Packers, and then the Bears. (laughs) Who just beat the Bengals. (laughs) Who just beat the Bengals. Let's go! So if the Vikings completely fall apart and lose all three, and the Packers win all three, the Packers win the division. But the more likely scenario is the Seahawks, any two of these things happen. Seahawks lose any of their next three games, and uh, the Panthers lose uh, one of their games plus losing to the Packers. And they play the Falcons and the Buccaneers. So if the Seahawks lose one of their three, and the Panthers lose to the Falcons or the Bucks, we're in. Or if uh, the F- Falcons lose to the Saints and Panthers, which is very also honestly, likely. you you don't have to explain this. Everyone who's a Bears fan knows it's going to happen. If the Packers went out, they give us an eighty-six percent chance of making the playoffs. It's going to happen. Some statistics. So if we went out. It's likely they'll be in. Rodgers is such a turd. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's going to be tough to just come back and be like on par, but he is Aaron Rodgers, and he—he—it's not like it—it it feels like he played. It wasn't that long ago. Like I had written this season off of the Packers at least five times now. Like I have never written, and it that's off. legit because like I said three times like three weeks ago, and I've I've written it off twice in the last three weeks. And we're still, we still have a chance. You can check the tape. I have never counted them out. I knew all they had to do was win three games, and they played three bad teams in that. Bad teams. But, so, man, we look awful. Win's like, a win. You guys are going to come back, and then your defense is going to get. It's just like, it's, it's, like the, it's like the Brady syndrome. Like, once a quarterback is there, the deep, like. If, if a Everyone steps up. Yeah, if a quarterback is dealing, yeah. the, whole, the whole team knows that they're accountable for their thing because the quarterback's going to do his job. So Rodgers is going to come in. He's going to throw four touchdowns, 280 yards in the first half. You know, it's good that this Rodgers is back to distract everyone from the fact that the Packers were down two, by 14 points to the Browns in the, late fourth, in the quarter. fourth quarter. So uh, and they made a, a pretty miraculous comeback. Brett Hundley completed 35 of 46 passes for 265 yards and three touchdowns, which sounds good, but he threw one pass that traveled over 10 yards in the air. One pass. He's also playing a team that hasn't won in, like, 700 days. Yeah. I mean, it was unbelievable. It, we were we were about to lose our playoff hopes to the frickin' Browns until we pulled a miracle. So... Yeah, I mean, it was really frustrating, but a lot of people are going to have to step up. Our defense is going to have to step up because at one point, Sean Kaiser was 11 for 12 for 160 yards and two touchdowns. Deshaun Kaiser, the yeah. worst quarterback in the league, was 11 for 12, 165, two touchdowns. Yeah. That's, that's defense. That's really bad defense. In the second half, he obviously really shut down through two picks, one of them in overtime. His his uh, overtime pick was so bad. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what like, don't throw that was. ball, you stupid moron. <laughs> and then Clay, the claymaker comes in for his. He, you know, he's not athletic anymore. He's not strong enough to dominate anybody. But the, he still makes plays because he finds himself around the ball a lot, just because he's been around for so long. So is he worth his contract? No, but he he still makes plays. So and that's all that matters. But, uh, yeah, stupid Yeah, thank God you guys time. didn't draft uh, T.J. Watt. Yeah, God, that would suck, wouldn't it? Because he just, you know, won the Steelers that amazing game. Did you watch that game? No, I did not. It was a 39-38 to 38 or something? Something, something like that. It was awesome. And then T.J. Watt ends it with a strip sack that goes out of bounds. And they run the clock. And the Ravens are confused. They're, like, huddled up, ready to run, like, one more play. And, like, the game's over. And I was like, "What? What just happened?" But, yeah, that, that would have been nice for the Packers to have a to have a, a young, up and coming linebacker. Yeah, I mean, we did trade down to get our corner, 
and he played well, but now he's uh, out for the rest of the year. He had shoulder surgery. I feel like every time I watched any Packer game, I watched him get escorted off the field. <laughs> he got hurt a lot this year. What's so, it, but what's, it, what's it was his first name? I know it's King, injury. right? Jarvis King. Kevin King, yeah. I had no idea what his first name was. <laughs> <laughs> Jarvis, that would be cool. Kevin King, though. Yeah, but he he had a nagging shoulder injury. Yet. He sat. He missed time for like twice this year, two separate times, and then finally this third time got surgery on it and just ended call it a season. But the reason he wasn't calling it a season is because we freaking need him. We have terrible corners. And uh, House is injured. He's injured. We're down to just Demarius Randall, who got into a little bit of Twitter beef with the meme lord himself, Josh Gordon. Um. <laughs> Honestly, I thought Josh Gordon was going to go for, like, 10 catches, 180 yards against you. I absolutely did, too. And then after the first drive where he had, you know. He had, like, four well, catches, 60 yards. Second drive, he had. Three catches for like eighty yards, and then he didn't catch one for the rest of the game. So, uh, you know, that, what does that say? You know, is it his quarterback's fault, or you know, is he just not dominating? But he went after Demarius Randall on Twitter because Demarius Randall uh, was tweeting at some uh, Cleveland Brown reporters who said. Uh, like in the first quarter, they tweeted Demarius Randall shaking in his boots, looking at the Packers sideline, asking for help. Um. So, you know, and then he responded to that and like how that, you know, how that worked out for you or whatever, because he ended up shutting him down for the rest of the game. And uh, then after the game, after all that, Josh Gordon tweets, "Great win for them, but let's be serious." Considering several of our disadvantages as a team, this kid could not hold my jack strap on my worst day at Randall, Demarius Randall. And uh, Demarius Randall responded with, crying face emoji, crying face emoji, you must be on that shit again. <laughs> Which is I funny. Need, I need more really Twitter beefs. I love a good sports tw- uh, Twitter beef, and I just hope these guys play each other more. Me too. I mean, I love it. I mean, Randall's been feeling real sassy. Ever since he came back after walking off the field in the middle of the game, almost getting caught. He's been playing a lot better. He's gotten, like, two pick sixes, and now he's talking shit to Josh Gordon. And it turns out, when you look at when you go back and watch Gordon's catches, he had one of them on Randall. The other two, he beat, like, our middle linebacker, and then the other one was just zone coverage. So Randall only got beat by Flash Gordon once all game. And, uh... Can we also talk about how Josh Gordon was uh, completely dissed his own team? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> considering I mean, several of our disadvantages as a team, you're talking to the people with Brett, the only other team that can compare to how bad your quarterback is is the Packers. You know, no, there's there's plenty of NFL teams that have bad quarterbacks. There are so many now. There, uh, Tom yeah, Savage like, had a seizure, and he was he was an uh, NFL quarterback for a little bit. Oh, yeah, that was sad to see. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of bad ones out there, so there's plenty that can go up against uh, the Browns. I don't know, yeah, Hundley and Hundley and Kaiser got to be two of the worst. I guess then there's uh, everything the Broncos put out there, you know. <laughs> but, you know. Geno Smith was a starter for a little bit there. Yeah, yeah, that's embarrassing. But, so, so yeah, so these are all guys who are not going to make the Hall of Fame. Somebody who is going to make the Hall of Fame. Devin Hester, yeah, boy. Yes, he should. Absolutely. He should. He changed the game. Um, there's other than like Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers, nobody else would get me to pay attention to a sport every single time he touched the ball. More than it's Devin like Hester. a baseball player. It's like a you know, you know, must watch at bat. You know, must you know where you stop and watch everything. Like Gene every Rose time Stanton, kick return, fucker. everybody stopped and yeah. watched the Bears. And then for him to say, don't worry, I'll take the opening kickoff back in the Super Bowl, and then he does it. Oh, fuck. Unbelievable. However old I was. moments in sports, and I'm not a Bears fan. I mean, just in terms of I know how my Bears fan friends reacted to that. And that I, I cried. I, it I cried. changed people's lives. I cried like two tears. I want to say like I was 12, and I was I was at my uncle's house, and I cried, like went in the bathroom and cried a little bit. I was so excited. <laughs> 
I, I don't blame you. That was unbelievable. But uh, that was not the only time I cried that night. So shout out to the Bears for <laughs> breaking my heart. Having Rex Grossman as their quarterback. I can't believe he he almost won a Super Bowl. <laughs> hey, Trent Dilfer won one. But no, Devin Hester should absolutely be in the Hall of Fame. I mean, if Ray Guy is in the Hall of Fame, a punter, then Devin Hester Best punter be. of all time. Yeah, and he's the best kick returner of all time. So. Yeah, if, if you if you want to see yourself some good electric football, look up Devin Hester. Look up every Devin Hester touchdown ever. It's so cool. Yeah, it, 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 they're always they're all fun to watch. Every single touchdown he scores is just a blast. So, well, yeah. So, uh, so, so shout out to Devin two three Hester. Devin Hester. Bears should retire your number. The NFL should retire your number. The, every, no one can wear twenty three in Chicago. Every anymore. yeah, the only. That the only team you can for is the White Sox. And the Blackhawks. Do the White Sox have it retired? Uh, no, I don't believe so. You know what? This Jordan is... didn't wear twenty three for the White Sox, and yeah, no, twenty three is not retired. This is gonna be good stuff. I'm gonna look up Chicago Blackhawks retired. Oh, this is so exciting! Retired <laughs> numbers. This is great. This is great. Very I was gonna positive. say radio, but no, nah, yeah, radio's nice. good. Nope. Hey, breaking news, everyone. The Blackhawks did not retire 23. Yeah. Neither did the White Sox. So. Wow. Electric stuff. Just electric. Yeah, everyone's here to know. Yeah, this is breaking news, people. But, yeah, so Hester will be, or 23 should be retired for football and basketball in Chicago. And, and, and the Cubs. Hmm? And and the Cubs haven't retired. Oh, and the Cubs. Ryan Sandberg. Yeah. Mistress to your girl. <sighs> what a what a legend. I'm not sure why I said that, but <laughs> all right. That's what everyone calls him. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so that's that's just our little take on the football coming up. We are gonna kick it over to our two baseball interviews. We will first start off with Robert Murray. All right, we now welcome on a very special guest, um, baseball writer for Fan Rag Sports and a great Twitter follow, Robert Murray. All right, here we go. We usually have a, a live studio audience, so that's that's who that was back there. How you doing today, Robert? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for coming on. Um, I guess we can just dive right into it. Um, the first question that I really wanted to know here was, uh, now that Giancarlo Stanton is, is in the Bronx... Do you think he's going to hit over or under 250 home runs next year? Uh, I'll take the over. Oh but no, I'll, all seriousness, uh, probably end up hitting, I'll say 60. How's that sound? Six. Uh, he, he almost had 60 last year down in uh, Miami, and now he's got the short porch all, like pretty much all over the field. And This is – Stan going to the Bronx was the worst-case scenario for me, and that's coming from a, a Cubs fan. So I, I would have, I would have rather, uh, rather seen him go to the Cardinals than – the Yankees. Really? Yeah, because I because I I believe that the Cardinals don't have the money to, to get like anyone else if if they had Stanton, but the Yankees have shown in the past that they will spend as much as humanly possible to get everybody. And and now that they have prospects coming up, they a very well-rounded team and Stanton and Judge are going to hit 60 each and it's just going to be sickening to watch the uh national media just hop all over that. Oh, it's too late for that. They're already hopping on board, and I can tell you, with those top prospects you mentioned, it wouldn't surprise me if they traded one of them or for a top-of-the-line starting pitcher. There's a little talk about that, so we'll have to see if that comes to fruition. Yeah, which um, which names are being uh, thrown around right away? Like for a top-of-the-line? Yeah, um, yeah, for the uh, okay. starting pitching. So, I mean, I'm going to go with a surprise one here, or maybe not a surprise, but I don't think he's going to be dealt, but I wouldn't rule it all at the same time. That'd be Garrett Cole of the, uh, of the Pirates. Okay. Um, there's been talk about Pirates possibly trading him. Um, I would expect it to maybe happen in a year or so, but if the Yankees offer a guy like like a Clint Frazier, I could see that enticing the Pirates to make a deal right now. Um, but I don't have any inclination to believe that's actually on the table. Yeah, that that makes sense logically because their uh, outfield is getting is getting pretty cramped, and they're going to have somebody that's going to be the uh, odd man out. So trading trading a, a young a young bat for a big arm is going to be is, is is pretty much going to make sense for this offseason. 
Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, so the next person that I was thinking about was uh, Shohei Otani. Do you think the addition of him going to the Angels makes them a legitimate uh, threat for that division, or are they still around the wild card picture? I would say they're more around the wild card picture. I don't think they're also going to. I don't think they're going to be serious contenders maybe for this year. But I think once Otani gets experience in the major leagues uh, from this year, I think they'll be a contender uh, maybe in 2019 or 2020 or so. Um, but I think Otani's addition is a big one for them. But I don't think they're going to see the results from it like immediately this year. Maybe a little bit later down the line. Do you think Otani's going to show signs of being the Babe Ruth of of Japan, or do you think he's going to have some serious growing pains? Uh, I think there's going to be growing pains to start. I don't think he's going to be a Babe Ruth type at first or ever. I think that's a comparison that's unfair to both him and Ruth. Um, but I think he, if he's a solid or a solid uh, pitcher and a solid hitter as well, that he's going to be well worth the price that they paid to get him, which was not much to begin with. Yeah, it's it's cool to actually see somebody choose the Angels over the Dodgers to go to L.A. because I'm tired of seeing Mike Trout not make the playoffs. I want to see a dominant, like, Jose Altuve-type playoff run from Mike Trout so everybody can finally understand that he's he's he, he's been the best player in baseball for, like, five years, and still nobody talks about him. In, in yeah, any, exactly. It's yeah. it's it's a very very annoying uh, topic in baseball. But uh, let's see. What else we got here? So the uh, winter meetings are, are cooking this week. Uh, what team is said to be or rumored to be the most aggressive coming in into the uh, winter meetings? I would say the team that would be the most aggressive, at least to me, would be the Red Sox, just because the Yankees just got Stanton, obviously. There's a lot of talk among rival executives that they could end up pursuing a J.D. Martinez signing okay. uh, and becoming a with that. But his agent, uh, Scott Boris, is a guy that likes to typically wait for the market to set itself, so maybe he's not aggressive in trying to get Martinez signed. But Dombrowski is always aggressive in trying to get his top targets, and I wouldn't, would not be surprised at all if he ended up offering Martinez top dollar and he signed, maybe not during the winter meetings, but shortly thereafter. I saw that the Red Sox were kicking the tires on a Kyle Schwarber trade. Do you think that'd be a good fit, or do you think that um, teams figured figured out Schwarber's uh, uh, hitting last year when, when he went um, into that huge career-changing slump? I feel like that would be a really strong move for the Red Sox because they'd be buying low on Schwarber, and I don't know if you've seen pictures of him, but he looks like he's in the best shape of his life. Yeah, I know that's the ultimate. He's lean. I know that's. I know it's the ultimate offseason line of best shape of the player's life or whatever. Uh, but Schwarber actually looks like he means it. Um, so I think last year we saw Schwarber struggle just because of his injury, the significant one he suffered in late 2016. Um, but yeah, I would not give up on Schwarber if I was the Cubs. But if the if I'm the Red Sox, I'd be all over trying to get him. Yeah, Schwarber is considered. Um... One of Theo's like first children, I think, because every time I read something on a Schwarber trade, the the price is just outrageous. So I think if the Cubs did get rid of him, that we would get a significant haul back, and I doubt that anybody would would want to give that up right now. Yeah, I totally agree. I could see the Cubs possibly getting maybe like a pitcher from the Red Sox because the Cubs are in need of a pitcher right now. The pitcher would have to be close to major league ready. I can't think of any names off the top of my head since I'm not too familiar with their farm system. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I mean, it could make sense for the Cubs, but I would not be actively trying to trade him if I was them. Yeah, the Cubs have been rumored to to be uh, looking around at a lot of starting pitching. Do you think that they have a chance to, to land a uh, Chris Archer-type name in a trade, or should they go more after the free agent side? I would go more after the free agent side. I think a guy that would make sense for them would be like a Alex Cobb, who's got familiarity with their pitching coach, Jim Hickey. Um, and he's also got familiarity with Joe Madden, which is going to help them. Uh, or help both sides. There's mutual interest between the two. Um, I would bet. I would bet the house that Cobb ends up going to the Cubs. Um, but I think maybe it's not going to be like a three or four year deal. I could see a two year deal, uh, just because I think the Cubs want to save some flexibility on their payroll for a potential Bryce Harper run in 2018. Yeah, um, when the Stanton trade went through, that was the first thing I thought of was. Um, I guess the only teams now that would really be in position to grab Harper would either be the Cubs or he stays in uh, Washington. Are there any other names that are floating around there for next year for the Bryce Harper sweepstakes, or is it just right now those two teams? 
I would not rule out the Phillies at all. I think it, when it's all said and done, they're going to end up landing one of uh, Harper, Machado, or a couple years down the line of Mike Trout. So I think they're going to end up being serious players since they have no money on the books in future years. Um, but having, I think Trout would be the favorite to go to Philadelphia. I've been floating that boat for roughly two years now. I mean, he's got connections to Philadelphia. He's a huge Eagles fan. He's actually a season ticket holder. I'm sure as an Eagles fan, he's not too happy about Carson Wentz being oh, out for the year. I don't think anybody I know is. I'm, yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge Eagles fan myself, so today's news was devastating. Um, but yeah, I would, you know what, going back to baseball, I would say if the Phillies are going to end up getting a big guy, it would be Trout, but I'm not going to rule out Harper, not in the slightest. Do you think that the Orioles would let Machado go to free agency, or do you think they just give him the bag? Um, I th- yeah, I think that he's going to end up becoming a free agent. I don't think he's going to be traded. I don't think the Orioles are going to pursue that trade, although I saw my colleague John Heyman write that the Cardinals might be the most likely trade suitor. Uh, but I'm under the impression that he's probably not going to be traded. Uh, but I, th- I think it's more likely than not he's going to end up hitting free agency. Yeah, the the only the only name I didn't mind seeing in uh, St. Louis was Stan because he, he because of the uh, price tag, so the Cardinals couldn't make any other moves. Pretty much any, like any other name going to St. Louis just crushes me because growing up, I I was always watching these Cardinal teams come out of nowhere with with stupid names like Matt Adams and players like that that, that just hit out of their mind. Like Matt Carpenter comes out of nowhere and is a batting champion. So yeah, how about how about David Freeze? God, David Freeze, that guy. What a what a chump that comes out and he's just a, a World Series <laughs> hero for the rest of his life. I hate David Freeze. Yeah, Freeze. I'll never forget that one. Yeah, that was that was I, I couldn't picture that as a Cubs fan, but as a baseball fan and that was that was pretty good for me. I I enjoyed it. No offense. No, it's I definitely I definitely understand it. It was heartbreaking um up until what was it, twenty fifteen when we beat him in the DS that every single year they had just like Players come out of absolute left field and just like just dominate and put up huge numbers every single year. They had a two eighty to twenty five home run, eighty eighty RBI like shortstop that wouldn't even make any other uh, roster. Yeah, they somehow found a way to make it work. I gotta, gotta give them credit for that. So I'm I'm definitely glad that Theo came in and and changed it because I do you, do you believe that that there are um. And like many other GMs, like a Theo or or like a Dombrowski, that when they want something, they're going to get it. No, those two would really stand out above the pack for me. Like, I mean, I I would say an Andrew Friedman type, but you know what? He, even he's a selective buyer. I mean, you saw how selective or how hesitant he was to pursue Stanton over trade. I mean, if they wanted to, they could have made that happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they chose. I would say if they're yeah, definitely the two most active guys running teams would be Theo and Dombrowski. Yeah, it's it's a it's a great feeling. Uh, I loved the Brandon Morrow signing. I think just getting our our bullpen uh, to a legitimate level is, is really going to help push past the CS and maybe get us back to the World Series with some hot bats. But um, I if I had to choose one person to to run this country as a president, I would choose um, Theo. To be honest. I mean, what figure have Theo as president than uh, Hoyer as VP, or would you keep would you keep Hoyer with the Cubs? I would want to keep Hoyer with the Cubs, and that way, my two favorite people in the world are running the two things that I care about the most, and that is the country and the Chicago Cubs. You know what? I I can't blame you. You know what? Let's make it happen, Theo. For uh, what's it? Twenty twenty for the next election? Yeah, it's going to be Theo versus uh, Kanye West for the ballot. So you heard it here first, folks. Breaking news. Yeah, this is this is what I'm here for. This yeah. is what I live for. Yeah, this is huge. This is huge stuff. Bringing the hot takes. Yeah, yeah um, big scoopage. <laughs> um, are there any teams that are poised to pull a Minnesota Twins go from last place to a playoff race? Um, I mean, if there's maybe a team, uh, it depends on what they do in the off season. But I would say possibly. I mean, this is highly unlikely, but I would say the Giants just because they have plenty of talent on their team and I don't think they can struggle for two years in a row. Um, but having them try to top the Rockies and Diamondbacks and Dodgers, that's going to be easier said than done. Um, but, I mean, they have plenty of talent on their team and I'm not going to bet against Bruce Bochy, who's a Hall of Fame manager and uh, Bumgarner and Posey. And, um, but it all depends on what they do. I mean, I could see them signing a Jay Bruce or a J.D. Martinez or uh, going after some more relievers, 
are trading for one at least. Outfielders, I mean, they, they, they have plenty of moves to make. I think they can be competitive this year. Um, but I would, you know what, I'll say they're the most likely team to go from worst to first. Okay. Um, it's funny you bring up uh, Bumgarner. One of our big debates over here is if you had a team and you were just one number one starter away from making the playoffs and then making a run, do you choose Kershaw with his regular season dominance or do you choose Bumgarner with his postseason dominance? Oh, man, that's a tough question. Um, Thank you. Yeah, we're being, I, we're being the heat over you, here. Yeah, I mean, I'm actually sweating over this question. Oh, shit. Never mind. Oh, damn. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. I would, you know what? I would actually, I'd, I'd take Kershaw. Uh, my dad's a Giants fan, so when he hears this, he's going to end up giving me a hard time. But uh, Kershaw has proven that he's the best pitcher in baseball. I mean, I know Baumgartner's been historically good in the postseason, uh, but you can't go wrong with Kershaw. The guy's just a flat-out stud. So, yeah, definitely Kershaw, I think. Yeah, it's it's tough to pick um, against him, especially since he came in. It wasn't as high pressure pressure situations for Game 7, but he still he still showed that he can come in and uh, deliver in, in the uh, World Series. So, I, yeah, no, yeah I'm always yeah. Team Kershaw for that argument, but it's I definitely see uh, people's points when they talk about the dominance because, because rings is pretty much all that matters, you know? Yeah, and Baumgartner's got, what, three of them? He has three, yeah, and yeah. and one he he almost like single handedly carried him. Yeah, it was against the uh, the Texas Rangers. I'll never forget watching that. That was just a thing of beauty. It was crazy, and and then even the one um, the World Series against the Royals, he came in. He he pitched what game six and then relieved game seven. Uh, yeah, that was my bad. Yeah, actually, the one against the Rangers was the uh, his first World Series, I believe. Yeah, yeah, maybe you were right about the Royals. Yep, good call. That was my bad. Oh no! All good here. We have we have hundreds of people doing uh, stat checks behind me, so so don't feel bad. We have a, we have a huge budget here for uh, stat checking. Oh, I bet. Yeah, I was. I could hear all those guys shuffling their papers and yeah, on just, just pounding their keyboards. Operate. Sparks are flying back here. Great work, everyone. I, yeah, boy. Yeah, keep those guys down in the back hole. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Do you um, do you think that Dave Martinez? Going from the Cubs bench coach to the Washington Nationals, do you think he's, do you think he's the uh, the manager that can actually make them advance to the CS, or are they just gonna uh, crash and burn yet again? I think they're gonna crash and burn yet again. Um, I, like the I, mean, I don't know if this, I don't know if this is fair or not, but I had some people say that Martinez was Madden's yes man in Chicago. Okay, so. Um, there's some skeptics. Or there's uh, some people that are skeptical whether or not he's going to make a huge difference in, in Washington as opposed to a guy like Dusty Baker. I still think that was a questionable move, letting him go. Uh, I know other people have feel differently, but if I'm choosing a manager, I would definitely take Baker over Martinez, and I don't think Martinez is going to make that big of a difference, if any at all. Okay. Yeah, the Nationals are definitely set up for for postseason success because I think Scherzer is is like a a Bumgarner type starter. That he comes in and he's insane. He's the kind of guy if you walk in front of him when he's walking off the mound, he'll punch you in the face. <laughs> yeah, I mean he's got two different colored eyes as well, so I mean I definitely wouldn't want to mess with him. Uh, yeah, he's he's the kind of guy that I would want on my team over m- many people. Um, I I do love Lester, but the crazy insane attitude I think uh, I I would have to give the edge to Scherzer. Yeah, I mean he's. He, you can't go wrong with Scherzer. I would, I would not disagree with that at all. One other huge debate that that me and my uh, co-host Jake have is, who do you think would win in a fist fight between? Um, so it's it's three people. We've got Evan Gaddis, Jake Arrieta, or Madison Bumgarner in like a cage fight. Oh my gosh! I, there's no way Bumgarner loses this one. I mean, Gaddis is a big boy. Uh, you said Arrieta was the other one. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, Bumgarner, I'll I'll take him in a lock. There's no way he loses that. He's a big country guy. Well, he's six five, and yeah, I've seen him in person. That is one guy. I just told myself I'm never gonna fight this guy. I mean, well, I'd be stupid too. Yeah, but uh, yeah, he's massive. There's no way he loses that fight. Because Evan Gaddis is more of like a big country lineman, and then Arietta is is the kind of guy that if you told me he knew jujitsu, I wouldn't be surprised. So it's it's three what? it's three different fighting tactics and. I think we have we have to make some phone calls, and I think we might be able to see this happen at the end of the winter meetings. But 
That's that's yet to be confirmed, but that fight would would put some asses in the seats. Yeah. Oh my God. You know what? Sign me up. You know what? Send me there. I'll cover it. I'll watch it. I'll, <laughs> yeah. That boy. I'm all for it. Make it happen. I will. I'll I'll call my people. I'll call their people, and then I'm as of right now. I'm giving a 95 percent chance of happening. So this is huge. Yeah. So, it's definitely. So I so I take it. Are you also a, a Giants fan then? Uh, I grew up a Giants fan, um, but I am uh, no longer a Giants fan just because I have to stay impartial. Though. Okay. To, so I'm not biased for the other team in Major League Baseball. I gotcha. I gotcha. Well, then, how'd you become a uh, Eagles fan? So I watched Brian Dawkins uh, play in 2004. Okay. That was when I was eight years old. And Dawkins is my all-time hero in football. And just seeing him and then McNabb and then Brian Westbrook and all those guys, I was like, you know what, I'm hooked. And I've been a fan ever since. So, Yeah, yeah well, um, I definitely um, I want to thank you for coming on during your day of mourning. If, if I were you, I wouldn't have called anyone. I, I wouldn't have left my house. It's a tough day to be an Eagles fan. Yeah, you're not wrong. I've uh, when I found that I was watching NFL Network, and then they had they carried the Doug Peterson press conference, and as soon as he said torn ACL, uh, I curled up in the fetal position and just bawled my eyes off. <laughs> yes, I uh, I am not blaming you one bit. Um, <laughs> I mean, I I'm a huge Bears fan, so I got to see what is that our fourth win yesterday. So um, that's that's four more than I thought we'd get this year. So without an actual NFL wide receiver, four wins sounds, sounds pretty solid. So my bar is a lot lower than yours. And I hope that, uh, you know what was depressive yesterday, that win, that was, that was good. They crushed the Bengals. Yeah. Yeah, we did. We had, that was Trubisky's best game. So it's, it's cool to see some, some, uh, progression, but now we have, uh, Detroit and Minnesota two of the last three games. So I'm sure I'll see him throw like five picks. To be honest, that's just, that's just how I'm uh, conditioned right now as a as a Bears fan. Hopefully, John Fox leaves and we turn it around, and then Trubisky is the next Tom Brady. So, you know what? I don't think that's unrealistic. I think that might happen next year. The oh. Trubisky to Brady form about the it's about to begin. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we're we're not scientists, but that's just connecting the dots. So, I appreciate that we're on the uh, same page. There we go. All right. Well, you know what, Robert? Do you have any questions for me? You know, I, I think we have slowly um, become best friends, and we'll probably do brunch soon. Do you have any questions? Uh, let's see. Uh, do you think the Eagles are still able to win the Super Bowl with Nick Foles as their quarterback? I do not. Thank you for asking. <laughs> that... Well, you're no longer best boy. <laughs> Well, you know what? Best friends try to stay honest with each other, and even even with Carson Wentz, I think Tom Brady's going to win every Super Bowl until he retires. It's it's tough oh, to not that, pick them every single year. Well, you're not wrong. I, I was actually thinking Eagles Patriots Super Bowl. I was getting increasingly optimistic about their chances against the Patriots, and then yesterday happened, and and now, well, yeah, without yeah, the injury, I, that, that was that was a huge win for you guys. Your offense looked unstoppable. Yeah, it did. And then Foles came in. I mean, he, he didn't look awful. Didn't look good. But hey, you know what? Uh, I guess we could be in a worse situation. But not. Yeah, it's it's not not pretty. A tough pill to swallow. But um, again, I thank you in this in these dark days for you to come on. I, I really appreciate it. We will have you back on when the uh, yeah. season starts. Sounds like a winner to me. Thanks for having me. Beautiful. All right, that is Robert Murray. You can follow him on Twitter at Robert Murray FRS. Robert, thank you so much for coming on, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Sounds like a winner. Talk to you then. Thank you so much. What an interview. <laughs> oh, Robert Murray. That was, that was amazing. We're going to quickly go over to Jared Diamond. All right, we now welcome on a very special guest, um, national baseball writer for the Wall Street Journal, Jared Diamond. All right. Give it up for Jared, everyone. All right. J- Jared, how are you doing? I'm good. I enjoyed that applause. Yeah, like a big audience applauding. Yep, yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, the, uh, these episodes are usually recorded in front of a live studio audience, and I can tell. Yeah, so you're a real fan favorite here so far from the millions of people um, here here in the uh, studio, I guess. Fantastic! Well, I'm glad to be here. Yeah, I'm 
we are um, we're very lucky to have you. You are joining us from the MLB Winter Meeting. So I guess first question is: Are there any? Um, usually the uh, Winter Meetings comes with uh, madness and in, in free agency or in trades. Are there any big names being whispered throughout the uh, the con- or the uh, area right now? You always hear little tidbits here and there. Right now, the, the rumor du jour is the Mets potentially shopping around Matt Harvey. We've heard there's been some little nuggets tossed around about Garrett Cole. Uh, but really, the offseason's been so slow to this point up until the last couple of days that there are just a lot of players out there available, a lot more free agents available than they typically are this time of year just because this how slow of a start this winter gotten off to. Everyone was waiting on Jim Carver Stanton. Everyone's waiting on uh, Shohei Otani. Both of those players have found their new homes. So I think you're going to start seeing a real frenzy of activity uh, this week and up and around until the holidays, uh, including the two you know biggest rage and pitchers, Jake Arrieta and Hugh Darvish, and of course, J.D. Martinez and Eric Hosmer on the hitting side. Yeah, so um, s- since you bring up uh, Jake Arrieta, I'm from Northern Illinois, so I'm a huge Cubs fan. Do you, what are the chances that he goes back to Chicago? And if not Chicago, who do you think he's going to land with? Yeah, so Jake Arrieta. I, I, I do think the Cubs would love to have Jake Arrieta back. I don't think it's likely. I think they'd take him back to the right price. But even some people around the Cubs publicly, like Joe Madden and others, have said uh, they wouldn't expect him to return unless his price were to really drop. There are a few teams out there that we know are looking for starting pitchers. You know, Texas is one of them. They're going to be very involved with with Arietta, I would imagine. I think you'll see Houston potentially get involved with with Arietta, yeah, maybe Baltimore as well. He's going to have a market for sure, but the big question is going to be: Is anyone anyone going to give him that long term deal that he probably would like and may not actually deserve? So that's really the biggest question to Jake Arietta at this point. Where do you think he's going to land? Like, are, are there any um, early early uh, favorites, or is it is it just anyone up for grabs right now? It's it's a little early to know for sure, but look, I, I think we we look at the teams and we could sort of start to pick out the ones that we know that are going to be in the market for a starting pitcher, and then you just wonder who ends up where. Like I said, I think Texas and and Houston are both very much in the market for starting pitching. I think uh, Baltimore is as well. The Yankees are looking for. Starting pitching, though, I'm not sure they're going to go the free agent route to get it. But yeah, there are there are only so many teams that both have the budget and the need for someone like a Jake Arrieta. So that should be worked out soon, I would imagine. Yeah. Um, since you bring up the Yankees going after pitching, do you believe that since they do um, have a more crowded outfield, that they're going to trade a young outfielder for a pitcher, or would they? Would they try and package somebody like a Jacoby Ellsbury, who's more experienced and uh, later in his years for a pitcher? Well, look, Jacoby Ellsbury has a full no-trade clause, and I think the odds are are not high that he will waive that clause to go elsewhere. I think the Yankees would love to trade Jacoby Ellsbury, even if that meant taking some of the money and paying it anyway. But I just don't know if he's going to be willing to waive that clause. We just saw uh, what kind of power a player has when he has no trade clause with Jim Carlos Stanton. Uh, Jacoby Ellsbury is not going to go agree to play for a bad team. He's on a team now that has a, a really good chance to compete for a championship next season, even though his playing time might not be high. So I, I think Ellsbury will stay, though I think the Yankees will continue trying to shop him. I think the more interesting question will be whether the Yankees look to trade Clint Frazier, one of the bigger prospects in the organization. He's an outfielder. He's someone that might have some value. Uh, I don't know what kind of stomach the Yankees have to dump, tapping into the farm system at this point, but I think they're going to explore that option, especially if it means landing someone like a Garrett Cole, who's a real top of the rotation threat. Yeah, uh, and since you mentioned the uh, Giancarlo Stanton trade, is there is there a major reason why Derek Jeter didn't show up to the winter meetings, or was the Stanton trade more on somebody else in, in the organization? I have no idea why Derek Jeter is not here. I would argue he probably should be here. Uh, it's a little surprising that he's not. Derek Jeter's tenure as Marlins CEO has gone off to a rocky start, to say the least. He has been receiving a lot of bad press, a lot of criticism. 
that's the case again here. Now, that said, Brian Cashman did say today that he never dealt with Derek Jeter while negotiating the Boone Carl Stanton trade. He said he only dealt with Michael Hill, who's the Marlins president of baseball operations. So I have no reason to not believe that's the case. But look, Derek Jeter's the boss. He's supposed to be the face of it. And I think it's surprising, if no, of no other reason than for an optic standpoint, that he is not in Orlando right now. Do you believe that the Marlins are going to continue their um, fire sale and maybe even shop around Kristen Yelich or um, Marcel Ozuna? Or are those two players that are young, talented guys that they would want to build around? No, I think it's definitely possible one or both of them are traded. The Marlins are in full-on, full, full-on fire sale mode. They're trying to shed payroll. And you look at someone like Marcel Ozuna, He's not going to be cheap in 2018. He's someone that could be making you know, $10, $11 million potentially because with arbitration and all of that. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we see more action from Miami. They are they, they're starting this thing all over again with this new ownership. They're going to take a lot of criticism for it. And I hope for their sake that they have a plan because it's going to be a long, slow road back to relevance for that club. Yeah, hopefully they do have a plan. Um, but so since the Marlins are going to be the big sellers of, of the winter meetings, are there going to be any clubs like the Padres a couple of years ago that are going to be the huge buyers? Just buy a few big pieces and try and turn around their whole franchise? Oh, I'd be surprised if there's something quite like that. There's, but these winter meetings, uh, there'll be some moves for sure. I don't know if you're going to see the big uh, blockbuster move. I think we already saw it. With Giancarlo Stanton, I don't know if we're going to have a Chris Sale type situation, which was last winter meeting's big blockbuster when he was traded from Chicago to Boston. But it's one of these things that's hard to predict. Sometimes the things happen very quickly. Look at Giancarlo Stanton. Nobody saw that move coming a few days ago, and it all came together in the span of a night. So right now, there's nothing that we know of that's brewing that's close, but we could get off this call, and 20 minutes later, there could be something monster that, that drops. Yeah, that's what I always love about the uh, winter meetings, is is that most of it is just players on paper, and then and then moves can happen in like a heartbeat and just change the whole season. That's the, that's the fun part of the offseason, right? That things could change so quickly. Like I was just saying, Jim Carlos Stanton, did anybody think he would be Yankee today? I mean, no one stopped. Even Brian Cashman said he said today that as, as early as, as recently as Wednesday of last week, or, yeah, of last week, he didn't think there was any chance that the Yankees would end up with Giancarlo Stanton. And then here we are today in Florida having him being introduced to the media as the Yankees' new right fielder slash D. It was a huge shock. Uh, and it's fun when there's deals like that. I hope there's some of those things go down. just makes it a lot more fun for everybody, I think. Yeah, it's, it's really cool when things get um, shaken up. But there are still the teams that are built to win right now. So do you do you think that a team like the Nationals or anyone like that um, who have the roster to make it to make a, a playoff run are they going to make like one or two moves to increase their chances, or do you think it's it's more teams trying to get into the playoff picture? Every team is trying to improve. The Nationals are trying to improve. The Astros are trying to improve. They just won the World Series. Every team is trying to improve. Yeah, you look at a team like Washington, for instance, because you mentioned them, I don't foresee them making a big move because they don't really have that many holes. So when you're in a situation like that, one, that's a good position to be in. It means you're a good team. And two, it means you try to build around the margins. You, you add in your bullpen, you add to your bench, you add in terms of depth. You pick up pieces that may not sound sexy at the time, but could end up playing a big role as the season goes on. As we know, no baseball team is only 25 guys. Most good baseball teams are using 40, sometimes 50 or more players over the course of the season, and the good ones are the teams that have uh, viable backups, viable backups for backups. That's really what made the Dodgers so great last season. They were historically good in the regular season. That was largely because they had so much depth. That's not a bad model for teams to follow. Yeah, exactly. I I definitely agree. It's it's more depth than just being top-heavy. Um one one player that I always get a little upset at for the whole league, um, and that is uh, Joey Votto. He is a top-tier, top-ten um, hitting player in baseball. 
Do you think that there's any chance in either this year or within the next few years, if he continues to produce, that either the, the Reds try and build around him faster or they just um, ship him away for a big haul? I don't know if they're going to move him anytime soon. The Reds, they love Joey Votto. He's loved in Cincinnati. He just was the number two finisher for the NL MVP vote this past season. I think the Reds are going to try to build around him, you know. I don't know where that's going to come from. They don't seem like they're in a great position to improve anytime soon, but I have not heard Joey Votto's name up as a trade candidate. He also has a huge contract, which really limits the teams that might be able to trade from, even if they were shopping him around. Exactly. So um, so I am a diehard Cubs fan, like I said. Are the Cubs going to make any other moves? As of right now, the, the ones that I know of are the Brandon Morrow and the Tyler Chatwood, which I think are two great starts. But um, usually Theo has more up his sleeve, and the the uh, tag team of, of him and Jed usually have one or two more moves than this. So um, do you see anything coming soon, or is it, or are, are they going to uh, kick the tires and, and try and find the right fit? Well, I think the Cubs are going to be active all offseason. That's what that's what the Cubs do, right? They don't let an offseason go without trying to improve the team. I think you're going to see them continuing to add in the bullpen, for sure. I think that's one place you're definitely going to see uh, see change, is keep trying to build up that bullpen. I think we know that that was a big issue for the Cubs last year. I think you'll see them potentially build in the rotation. Of course, the big question with the Cubs right now is, whether they end up trying to trade Kyle Schwarber. Uh, I think you'll definitely hear them discussed. Whether or not a deal gets done, I don't know. But there might be an opportunity there for the Cubs to bring in pitching by trading one of their good hitters. So that, I think that's an interesting thing to look out for for Chicago for the next couple of weeks. Exactly, yeah. Uh, and then one thing that I've always wondered is that when you are reporting, do you ever hear something and then just have a gut feeling about a move? And if so, do you have a gut feeling of any of any big move coming up? Any anything specific? <laughs> Look, it, it's very hard to predict these things as you hear so much, and everyone's around here talking, and there's a lot of rumors. You never really know uh, how close something is or how far away something is. So, but like, I think we're gonna, I think we'll get a resolution on someone like New Darvers or Jake Arrieta soon. I don't know if it's going to be this week at the winter meetings. You know, we're ready like a quarter of the way through them or more. This, this, this moves quickly, but uh, there'll be some action. There's going to be a lot of moves over the next few days just because, like I said, there are a lot of free agents out there that have just been on hold waiting for Giancarlo Stanton and Shohei Otani to, to, to move. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so since you are at the uh, winter meetings, what what is your favorite part about going down there for, for the meetings and what is your least favorite part? Look, it's, it's fun to be here because everyone in the baseball community is here. It's it's an exciting atmosphere. That all the writers are here, all the teams are here, all the agents are here. The whole industry is here. So it really feels like just an industry sort of gathering. And it's just fun to sort of hear the rumors, hear the scuttlebutt, and hear the gossip. Uh, it's enjoyable. It's a fun time. You know, there's things about it from a work standpoint that aren't great. Like, you know, never getting to go outside and being cooped up in a hotel for four days straight. But, look, uh, I can't say this is the, you know, this is fun. This is a fun way to work, to be around baseball people talking about baseball for four days straight. There are much worse days to spend a few days in Florida. Exactly, that's true. Um, well, well, Jared, that is all that I have for you. Do you have, do you have any questions for me, I guess? <laughs> How's that live studio audience doing? Do they oh, enjoy our conversation? Oh, they're roaring right now. They are loving it. I told them to quiet down so the uh, sound quality is is pretty decent, but they are just loving this. Great. Well, then I'm glad we gave them a good show. Yeah. All right. Well, well, everyone, let's hear it for Jared Diamond. Woo! See, I told you, man. They're they're rowdy back here, so get used to that. I appreciate that. <laughs> well, Jared, we appreciate you coming on. Um, best of luck down there in uh, Florida. Hopefully, you uh, get some scoops and. And we can uh, see some see some uh, good work coming from you. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. Thank you, Jared. Have a good one. Yep, you got it. Bye. Oh, hey, Jared Diamond. Yes. So that is uh, that's pretty much how you do it here, folks. So don't don't forget to follow Robert Murray at Robert Murray FRS on Twitter, and then 
You might have heard me turn my page there. <laughs> it's right next to my computer. <laughs> Follow Jared Diamond at Jared Diamond. <laughs> Good thing I wrote that one down. <laughs> and check the page. Couldn't remember that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, god damn it. So, um, yeah, that's it. The hot stove is burning. Those two interviews were uh, recorded on Monday, so that's why we didn't talk about all the winter readings hot stove. There's there's some, some stuff going on, but big thank you yeah. to those two. We have a big Hall of Fame edition special version of Live from the 815 coming up this weekend. It's going to be coming out Friday, af- Friday afternoon. So Friday, Saturday, Sunday, even Monday. You know what? This is timeless. You can you can listen to it whenever you want. We are going to be interviewing Chicago Cubs baseball Hall of Famer, Canadian baseball Hall of Fame, and soon to be me and Jake's close personal friend, Ferguson Fergie Jenkins. He Absolutely. for some crazy reason he agreed to be interviewed by us. Yeah, you might have thought we were joking, but no, that's real. No, it's real. We're going to meet him on Friday. We're going down to Chicago. We are going to meet him, and I'm sure we'll bond and become, and we'll form a lifelong friendship. So we're going to ask him some some questions on how it is to make the, the Baseball Hall of Fame, how it is seeing the game now. Don't forget to listen to us Friday afternoon, Saturday, Sunday, years to come. Absolutely. So I guess that's it for this episode. Jake, you got yeah. any uh, final thoughts? What are you thinking right now? Go. I'm, uh, well, I'm thinking I'm nervous to meet a Hall of Famer is really what I'm thinking. But uh, I'm just – and I'm also just so excited for all of our listeners. They're so lucky. Yeah. So, it's, I mean, I guarantee everybody listening did not expect us to be interviewing a Hall of Fame pitcher like two weeks ago. So I still won't really believe it until it happens. Yeah, until we get mugged instead of actually meeting him. They tell us to, oh, yeah, come out back and then they mug us. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, we're meeting him at a school, so we're going to. Maybe it's like a 15 year old catfishing us. Who, who really knows? That would be really funny. And we have to just interview that kid, though. If <laughs> he beats the shit out of us, like, hey, man, can we interview you for a podcast real quick? <laughs> like, that was hilarious. You got us. You good. got us so good. Wait, but... we both get beat up by a 15 year old kid. <laughs> That's intimidating. I'll, I'll be, sh- I'll be shook. Yeah, I mean, I'll be so just shocked that it's not Fergie Jenkins. <laughs> God damn it. We're totally getting catfished, but... <laughs> yeah, so get ready for our episode on Saturday with an interview with a kid catfishing us. <laughs> a kid pretending to be a baseball Hall of Famer. Yeah. It, it was just his birthday this week, so... It was the other day. We can ask him some birthday questions. Ask him about his birthday suit. I'm sure he would love to hear that. <laughs> Yeah, we're going to have lots of quirky questions. So, don't miss that this weekend. Follow us at BackupQB underscore blog on the Twitter.com. Go to YouTube.com, look up Backup Quarterback. Uh, you know what? Go Backup Quarterback, type in Colton, C-O-L-T-O-N. That's probably a lot easier to find me there. We uh, Go to BackupQuarterback.org. That's our website where sports blogs happen. Um, finals are around the corner, so we're a little slow here on the blogs, but it, we're going we're gonna to crank them back up in about a week, so get ready for that. Facebook. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe, rate, review this podcast. Uh, my Venmo is at C-O-L-T-O-N-S-T-Vincent. I think that's right. Jake, you talk while I uh, look that up. Yeah, uh, we got to make sure Colton gets his Venmo straight so you guys can send him straight cash. For, straight cash, homie. Yeah, you know, just for being him. Because, you know, sometimes he needs it. So if you, if you need the information to get Colton cash. Yep, at C-O-L-T-O-N dash S-T-V-I-N-C-E-N-T. Again, that is at C-O-L-T-O-N dash S-T-V-I-N-C-E-N-T. Huge, huge. Um, yeah, so pay me your money. I'll help. I'll help save net neutrality. I guess. <laughs> Are you, you gonna do that for us? Uh, the the only way to find out is to send me some fucking money. Yeah, you tell me one thing for free. He's not gonna save net neutrality if you don't send him money on Venmo. I'm not telling you anything for free from now on. You have you have my Venmo. <laughs> fucking hit me up. <laughs> He'll have his Venmo, so he'll be expecting 
if, if one dollar of all four hundred million of you gave us all give us each one dollar, we'd be so rich. Yeah, I would. I would start my own internet, and I'd be so neutral on the net. Oh, oh absolutely. I would. I would have free internet. You know, as long as you were like around me, I'd probably just pay for it. I'd put it all in it. in Bitcoin, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> all of it, or Litecoin. Is that is that new? Yeah, if you would have invested at the start of this year ten thousand dollars, it would now be worth one million dollars. So hmm. that's pretty cool. Hmm. Well, two years ago, somebody traded a pizza for ten Bitcoin. I know. <laughs> oh, brutal. So that sucks, but that's enough for that. So that's our segment: Bitcoin knowledge. Yeah. Um, if mortgage your house and buy Bitcoin. Yes. That's our advice. So don't forget to get your pets spayed and neutered. Um, call your mother. See how she's doing. Yep, yep. Wear your seatbelt. Wear your seatbelt. Look for cats in your tire wells. It's getting cold out there. Is that a thing? Yeah. I mean, one time uh, my friend found a cat in his tire well. If he would have started his truck, he would have had a dead cat on his tire. I have a Honda Civic, so I don't think I'm going to get cats in there it's, it's yeah they, they do sneak up into smaller cars sometimes because little uh warm little holes well, then it's there. gonna it's gonna die that's not my problem yeah but it's your problem if it dies in your car and then it's just stuck in there that's true so that's definitely your problem all right you know what that's good advice thank you jake <laughs> yeah everyone look out for cats so yeah well, well then we'll catch you guys this weekend go fergie jenkins go <laughs> we love you fergie before we meet you, I assume you're going to be great. Jenkins. We also love Fergie the Singer. Oh, yeah. She's also great. She's, she was addicted to crystal meth. Oh, well, you know. Who wasn't? Who hasn't been? Don't somewhere? do crystal meth. Yeah, I want you, baby. Slow, slow hands, like sweat dripping down.